You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the recording of a paper presented at the 116th Annual Meetings of the American Anthropological Association in Washington, D.C. on December 1st, 2017. The session was entitled Podcasts in Anthropology, Exploring Approaches to Multimodal Research and Communications, and was organized and chaired by Nushin Setegasami and Kyle Olson, both of the University of Pennsylvania. The discussant for this session was Arjun Shankar of the University of Pennsylvania. All right, so um, thanks again to our speakers. And for those of you guys who are going to stick around, please do stick around um, because we're going to have comments from our discussant, Arjun Shankar, um, postdoctoral fellow at the University of Pennsylvania. All right. Thank you, guys. This was, this was great. I feel like we're at the cutting edge of something in anthropology here, so that's... That's amazing for me. I just really briefly about me, I'm a media and visual anthropologist. I think a lot about multimodal research and what it might do for the anthropological project. But I guess why I want to thank you guys is because it made me think about my field work again very differently. And when I was in the field, I did a lot of photography and filmmaking with students in a school outside of Bangalore. And so that was a very structured process where I would give them cameras, they would go out into their communities, and they would uh, document their lives. And I thought this was really the way that I was going to learn something about them. But I had, during my fieldwork, I had one audio recorder, which I really kept for myself all the time. I didn't want anybody else to use it because, of course, it was my way of collecting interview data. Right, so I would go out, I would interview people, I would put, them, I would put it out just in the, in the field to hear things differently. And every once in a while, some students would steal my audio recorder. They would take it for themselves when I wasn't looking because they were interested and curious about what this other device was. And so they would go out with it, I would look frantically for it, thinking I'd lost it, and then within two or three days it would come back. And they would say they would laugh at me for like thinking that they had stolen it and then give it back. And then I would listen to the the audio with them, just like I would listen to the foot, just just as we would see the photographs and watch the films. And what always struck me about that was how much more interested they were in hearing themselves than seeing themselves. And I think that really, for me, is a profound way of thinking about what voice and sound is. The fact that even though I thought from an ocular-centric perspective that that's what everybody wants to feel. It was the sound that made them feel something. And then there was one particular audio clip that I always listened to over and over again, and I share with my colleagues, and we never know what to do with it. One student, in a five-second clip, says to no one in particular, or maybe to somebody in particular, hello, Americans, this is Adersha here. And he says it again, hello, Americans, this is Adersha here. And I've been trying to figure out what to do with that particular clip for about three years now. And what this panel has made me think about is how voicing provides a particular kind of subject position. And in this case, I think what he's trying to do is create and produce a global subject position for himself through voicing. And I think that is one way of starting to think about what an anthropological methodology for podcasting might be. What kind of subject positions are produced when we're voicing? 
and towards whom. And so I think what I'll just do really briefly, because I really want Q&A, I, I think a panel like this deserves a Q&A, uh, is just to think about some of the oral regimes that we have to reckon with if we want to think about the subject positions we're producing and maybe challenge them. So the first, which comes up a lot in Chris's talk, is an oral regime which has to do with archival practice. And typically we think about archival practice as textual, right? The colonial archives were almost entirely textual. But now with digital processes, we can think about multimodal archiving in a very different way. But what I think about when I think about archiving is Ann Stoller's work and her reminder that archives are never things but processes. And so what I, what I would think about with Chris is what kinds of power differentials shape what you can store, what you are categorizing, especially when we're thinking about those who are rendered marginal either in the archaeological sense in the past or in the present tense, how does that change the way we want to think about a repository of voices? And how does that change the way we want to even store voices and whose? So that's the first kind of oral regime. The second, as you bring up Ariel, is about the traditional journalistic practice, which I think we are always reckoning with. And as you point out, there's a kind of pragmatic aspect of journalistic practice, meaning how do we get funds, which came up a lot, but then also the ethical. Do we make our sources explicit? And of course, I think the way we hear journalists generally is as unbiased. And that's something that we as anthropologists always have to reckon with because there is, of course, in larger publics that we want to discuss our work with a kind of fetishization or romanticization of the objective. So it seems to me that if we're going to think about anthropological podcasting, we have to reckon with this romanticization of the objective. And I really do like the way you're talking about uh, how sound can allow for play and a kind of pushback against the tendency towards an unbiased view in your paper. But my question is, how does radio's playfulness function in a post-truth moment? When actually, do we really want to be playing that much at this moment, or do we want to go back to actually talking about facts? And the other piece about that is if, as you say, most people are choosing podcasts that fit their predetermined interests, to what extent do journalistic versions of podcasting actually really challenge oral regimes at all? Or are they just merely reinforcing them? And then, of course, there's the actual podcast genre itself, which I think all of you spent most of your talks on. How long should it be to get to larger publics? What kind of voice is necessary? And how does that really work in productive tension with the jargon of anthropology, which came up really nicely, with anthropological ways of listening? And of course, we, we know that anthropologists are always learning in sound. We listen very closely. We listen to ticks, movements all the time. And so how can we actually bring that in to push against the podcast genre, I think is right there for us to think with. And then finally, I think for me, the most interesting part of these papers is podcasting as a professionalization process for young anthropologists. Clearly, graduate students, when they're coming through, and I have not, I'm not that far away from that, right, feel very out of control of their learning. And it seems to me that in all of these cases, 
what the podcast allows us to do is take control of that learning, to take it in a direction that moves beyond whatever the precepts of, what precepts of learning are in our departments. So that, to me, is fantastic. And I would ask you all to maybe like push that further and think with me about how we can make that constitutive of how we learn in the academy. Second part of that is undergraduate learning. Clearly, we're all thinking about that at some level. In all my classes, they have to do some sort of multimodal and product. So if we're not training ourselves to do this work, then what are we able to do for them? So I, I really enjoyed that about your papers, and thank you, and then we'll open it. There was a question and answer period that followed this discussion and session. However, no microphone was provided, so the audio was not usable. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.